5: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Greg Peterson Experience. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a Wolverine purr. On VSIN,
6: the Sports Betting Network.
7: It is hour number two of the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, and we got a tremendous hour coming up for you as. It's a good old Kramer versus Kramer edition of the Greg Peterson experience. Actually, it's Kramer and Kramer, I should say, because they're not really going up against each other. But we had Mackenzie Kramer on in our number two. We're going to have Ryan Kramer on. or It was Mackenzie Kramer in our number one. Ryan Kramer in our number two. He does great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. So we're going to be joined by him in about 15 minutes. We're going to be diving into Little bit of football, take a look at some NFL futures. I know that he, much like myself, is also a fan of college basketball. So we're gonna be diving into that a little bit with him. So gonna be a lot of fun on that front. We're gonna be talking quite a bit of college basketball in this hour as we've got a nice north of 60 games late for this college basketball wednesday. I'm gonna get you guys my DK and H pick here in a second, which they're now seven and one in my last eight. So I always talk about it because we've got the hard-working crew behind the scenes that I have to do my part. Well, we've been doing our part recently, so hopefully we can keep that going, and we've got to give a shout-out to all the people behind the scenes that make the Greg Peterson experience what it is. If you're listening on SportsMap Radio, we've been on SportsMap Radio for now five, six weeks, somewhere in that neighborhood. It is our good friend Taylor that gets me set up on audio night in and night out. He does a great job as our audio engineer. You've also got all the graphics that you see on screen whether you're watching on YouTube top, YouTube TV, VEASAN.com this goes on and on. Nick does a great job with that. All the guests that we've got on this show, that is courtesy of our good friend Jason who does a tremendous job producing this show and every single hour that you find on VEASAN, whether that be the Greg Peterson Experience, whether that be VEASAN Prime Time, VEASAN Big Bets, List goes on and on you are able to find all of those on Visa.com slash podcast or the Visa Best best feed, wherever you your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, list goes on and on. And this week it is Aramis who is posting those up. He does a great job. So all the folks behind the scenes, they do their end of the bargain and they do absolutely amazing work. We work with some of the best in the business and you got to keep the streak going here. And we're going to be going to my home state of Wisconsin for this one as Marquette Golden Eagles were able to get the job done on Tuesday. I gave out Kansas State. They were able to get it done as well, but we're going to look to see if Wisconsin teams are able to stay hot. 731, 732 on the board. It is the Badgers, and they play off Iowa. Iowa is a one-point favorite, and your total on this game is 139.5. And my write-up is Wisconsin. It's going to be either plus one or just a... Very, very small money line. I'm sure that when this comes out, it'll be somewhere between like even money, minus 105. But I've got Wisconsin as a two-point favorite. I think that they should be able to get the job done in this spot. And I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of people being like, oh, all we need is Iowa to be able to win the game. Well, you know how difficult it's been to get Big Ten road teams to win. It's been brutally difficult. And if there's a Big Ten road team that I do not want to take too much of a look at, it is Iowa. You take a look at their home and road splits and they are very, very demonstrative. It's an Iowa team that when they're at home, they are shooting in the neighborhood of about 38.4% from three-point range. On the road slash in a neutral court, Iowa shoots 28% from three-point range. That is about a 10.4% drop off. And then you take a look at this Iowa team. They are overall 13th in the nation in terms of points scored on a per possession basis, but the points per 100 possessions number falls by 22 and a half when they leave home. 22 and a half. Iowa has not failed to get to or has not failed to get past 75 points in a home game this year. They've gotten to at least 75 points in every single one of their home games this year. They've been out below 65 in plenty of road games thus far this year. And you've got a Wisconsin team that was actually able to hold Iowa 260 points in regulation the first time around. It was a 60-60 to 60 score, and then game goes overtime. Wisconsin at Carver hawkeye Arena, they were able to get the job done the first time around. Big giant asterisk on that first game, though. As Aaron Uless, I believe, was out of the fold for that one, but the bigger one, Chris Murray. Is not playing in that game. That is going to be big for Iowa. You're going to have Chris Murray, Philip or Bradshaw doing a solid job down low. They give you a combined 16 rebounds per game. Murray has been giving you right around 20 points per contest. Shoots in the mid-30s from three-point range. But you've got two versatile guys for Wisconsin. They're able to help really flow things down low. As you've got Tetherwall along with Steven Kroll. They combine to be able to give you about 5.5 assists, 13 rebounds. Both of these guys registering about 11.5 to 12.5 points per game. And then you take a look at the three-point shooting of Wisconsin, and it's significantly better at home as well. Both of these teams, the first time around, shot below 30% from three-point range. Wisconsin, they shoot 39.9% from three-point range at home, 32.1% when they are away from home. So that is something that is going to be a big, giant bother. But you take a look at this crafty Wisconsin team, 61 points or fewer allowed in regulation in six out of their last seven games. They just make things yucky. They make things slow. 346th in the country in terms of total possessions per game. Iowa's going to get their just rogue greater, slow style. And Wisconsin actually does a better job of being able to take care of the ball. Wisconsin, number three in all of college basketball in terms of turnovers on a per possession basis that they commit on offense. I think that Wisconsin's going to do the little things right against an Iowa team that ranks 225th in the country. terms of points a lot on a per-possession basis, and this Iowa team, much like so much of the Big Ten, they are not the same team when they leave home. My DK Nation write-up, that is going to be on the Wisconsin Badgers, whether that be the very, very short money line that we're going to be seeing, probably right around, like, even money, minus 105, somewhere in that neighborhood, or just taking the plus one, but it's got what it is. I think that Wisconsin should be able to win this game. That is going to be the write-up, and I did set my total more around 136. I do think that... Wisconsin, much like they did the first time around, they're going to be able to hold them down. It, once again, that was a game that went over the first time that they played, but in regulation it was 60-60 to 60 going into overtime. I don't think it's going to be quite 60-60 to 60 at the end of regulation, but I do think that Wisconsin is going to do a rock-solid job with their defense, get their slow, grimy style. So looking at Wisconsin with the DK Nation write-up, and I'm going to be taking a look at this little under as well, and I think that you've got some very interesting action for this college basketball Wednesday and we do have a few teams from the big 10 that are going to be in action. And we've also got another game that is involving a much more demonstrative spread out there in the big 10 as you've got the Minnesota versus Maryland game. And with Maryland, they open up in a lot of places right around a 16 and a half point favorite. Now we're finding it at 16 pretty much across the board. This is 689, 690 on the betting board and your total on this game is anywhere between 129 and a half at 1.30 and a half, and Minnesota's just been bad. I wish I could put it any other way. I wish I could be more polite. Minnesota has just been bad. Now, the good news is they get Dawson Garcia back in the fold. He is their top scorer. He's able to give you about 15 points. He's their top rebounder. At six foot 11. he's able to pop some threes, and Minnesota has, at the very least, shown a little bit of a heartbeat with him back. He's been able to lead the team to two straight covers, but Minnesota's exceeded the 70-point plateau once in this calendar year. It's a Minnesota team that doesn't play very quickly. They're outside the top 225 in terms of total possessions per game, going up against a Maryland team that is in the bottom 50 themselves in terms of total possessions per game. But it's a Maryland team that does such a better job of being able to execute their style. They've got so much more depth. As you've got a Maryland team that in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, they rank in the top 50 in all of college basketball. For Minnesota, 244th in the country, and for Minnesota, you do have Taylor Long Cooper. He's been able to give the team right around five assists, a block, a steal, 10.5 points. Shoots a well from three-point range. And then you've got James Battle, who's been able to give you double figures. So I those three guys. you really have a big, giant nothing burger with this Minnesota team. And for Maryland, they just do a significantly better job with their offense at home rather than in a road-slash-shooter court environment. It's a Maryland team that's averaging more than 15 points more per one-hour possessions when they are at home. A rough three-point shooting team, they shoot as collective about 30.8%. From three-point range, as they've been able to have Jameer Young really headline things—15 points, nearly five boards, four and a half assists per contest—and then you throw in there Julian Reese, who's been able to do a solid job along Dante Scott of combining for nearly 13 rebounds per game. Minnesota is just going to be completely outgunned in this game, in my opinion. Maryland does a good job of being able to cut off the three-point arc. Meanwhile, Minnesota—they shoot about. 32% from three. They shoot as a collective less than 62% at the free throw line, which I don't know how it's possible to have a division one college basketball team and have them as a collective shoot below 62% at the free throw line. But congratulations, Minnesota on being able to do that. But I think that this is going to be another game where Minnesota's not going to be able to get things fortified with their offense. Last time these two teams played, that was in the great state of Minnesota. And well, the great people of Minnesota were treated to a not-so-great game as Maryland just completely mollywopped Minnesota by a count of 81-46. to 46. I think Minnesota is going to be able to get past 50 in this spot, but I don't think that they're going to be doing a whole heck of a lot more than that. It's a circumstance where I feel like Maryland should be closer to an 18-point favorite. I'm willing to lay the number right. In total 128, the only way you'd be able to get an over in this spot is if you get Maryland to be able to exceed 85 points, and I don't think that that is going to be the case, so... We're going to be taking a look at the under in this spot, and I'm going to be taking a look at Maryland as well. And how about if we go to a game that is going to be involving two Atlantic 10 teams with a few question marks 663, 664 on the betting board? It is the Flyers of Dayton in the road faceoff against UMass. UMass is an underdog here of between eight points that I'm seeing in a lot of spots. We're seeing one straight seven and a half out there, but mostly eight, and your total on this game is 137 and a half. It's a UMass team that's dealing with injuries due to the likes of Kevin Cross along with Noah Fernandes, but that said, Dayton has been dealing with backcourt injuries all season long. Dayton a top 25 team in terms of points a lot on a per-possession basis, but with the UMass I feel like this Cecilia team has still given you a relatively solid effort on defense. Top twenty-five team, turns points a lot on a per possession basis. I'm willing to take the eight with the underdog in UMass, with Dayton committing 13 turnovers per game while being a bottom 30 team in terms of total possessions per game. And coming up next, we're going to be taking a look at some football features and continuing the college basketball chatter with Ryan Kramer of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Next, here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Vism, these sports may know.
6: experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
7: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit v to check out the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and the bets are moving on every single game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes. So that way you're able to see all the changes in the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money does not match up with the public opinion, you're able to check out not just today's action, but future events as well. As betting splits are another way that VSIN is here to make you a smarter, better all year round. Check out today's betting splits for every single game now at VSIN.com. As we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, sports Bank Network, and miss miss any of the picks made by myself, all the guests on the show today, VSIN.com slash picks for that as well. We've got you guys covered on a little bit of everything, and a man that covers it all is Ryan Kramer. He was with me in studio, as a matter of fact, a few days ago. It was great to be able to see you in person, Ryan, and it's great to have you back on. Always do appreciate it. Thank you.
6: And be honest, Hoops, it was riveting to talk XFL for a full hour.
7: It certainly was, and <laughs> what did you notice out of week one in the XFL? Because I do think that it was a very good quality product, and something that we were banking on, Pax and Lynch being, well... Paxton Lynch, it happened.
6: And uh, so, uh, the, le- the lesson maybe NFL reps doesn't mean you're good at quarterback, even at the lower levels. I mean, I think we saw it. We saw some of the guys who have the spring football experience show up. I think some of the question marks around the quarterbacks, like you mentioned, the Paxton Lynch, uh, A.J. McCarron looking like a complete washed guy who just happened to go to Alabama. And, yeah, I think the, the people who are out there chirping at the quality of play, like what are you expecting? I I get it. Like They're limited, shorter training camps, less practice. But this was not the worst. This, this was not week one of the preseason. There was some decent activity going on out there. And, again, it's football. We're going to bet on it. There's four games every weekend. Let's just strap in.
7: Yeah, it was very solid. And was there a team or two that really stood out to you and you thought, man, maybe this team is worth a futures wager and or if you really don't do a lot of futures with regards to these ancillary football leagues, a team that you're probably going to be looking to bet on quite a bit towards the early part of the season.
6: Uh, You know, I don't think too many of the things we discussed have changed. I mean, I certainly think the teams with the quarterback churn shows bad planning by the coach, probably still something I'm looking to fade. I think some of the teams I was intrigued in, like just thinking about that Seattle DC defenders game. I kind of like what I saw from both teams. Honestly, I, I enjoyed Ben DiNucci, uh, look, making some scrappy freestyle plays to Josh Gordon. I could see how June Jones might have a thing going there. And meanwhile, you know, noted how Reggie Barlow, a guy with a ton of head coaching experience, what did his DC defenders do? Came out great game plan, uh, looked the part and, uh, you know, they, they looked like a fun team. And so, I think the teams that I was excited to see, I'm, I'm still excited to bet on, and I think some of those fade teams, the the Paxton Lynch, Lynch experiment, uh, A.J. McCarron, I think it's still fair to kind of fade those offenses that are now even further behind the eight ball.
7: And is there anything that you picked up from week one that might be a little bit of a bag, betting angle moving forward in the XFL? Because the one thing I took a look at was really that final that we saw in the St. Louis game against the Brahmas, because I know that St. Louis was trailing by two scores, they were able to get three, and then from there, they were able to go for that fourth and fifteen for the conversion, which is obviously something that we would never, ever see in the NFL. And it does just lead me to think that it is going to be a little bit different taking a look at some of these spreads in the XFL because critical numbers in this league that you typically find in the NFL where three, seven, go up a little bit further, ten, those are your critical numbers in the NFL. They just don't mean as much in the XFL.
6: Yeah, and uh, you know the scoregami bot was going crazy yeah. with a 33 to 12 score. I certainly think it's going to create some va- variance. Uh, you know, my the, the data side of me says, "Oops, this is a small sample size. We need need more data." What I would I would j- I would say this teaches you just probably to play the money line. Look, when you like the dog, you play the money line. Uh, let the the variance settle in, and I think. Like we discussed earlier, there are a couple teams that look like they knew what they were doing and they had a plan. Those are the teams I'm looking to bet on.
7: Absolutely. And speaking of which, we've actually got an XFL game that is going to be going on on Thursday. Thursday, football is back, ladies and gentlemen, as it is going to be a team that I was mentioning before in the Battlehawks going up against the Seattle Sea Dragons. Not the Dragons, the Sea Dragons. But. That said, the Sea Dragons are a three-point favorite. A total of 36 at 36.5 is what I'm seeing right now. How do you gauge this game? Because what I do think is also very interesting about the XFL is that while you've got these teams, like this game is going to be going on in Seattle with the Vegas Vipers, obviously that game on Saturday is going to be happening in Vegas, but these teams are all sort of hubbed in the state of Texas, so I do think that that leads to a little bit of diminished home field advantage as well.
6: Uh, I mean I think you know it certainly makes me wonder what what are they giving the home edge like how are they even factoring this in uh, they they are both tra- not only are they traveling they're they're, they're traveling on the same flight uh, to <laughs> cut down on costs so I mean you even have that dynamic you know hopefully we don't have a Russ Wilson uh, lunges in the the aisle turned bad but uh, to me, you know, I think Seattle is one of the cities. We saw it last week with D.C. We saw the crowd. We, we, we heard the stories of the beer snake being confiscated. The crowd got unruly. Oh. But they were clearly a factor. And, and, and I think Seattle is another town that has shown they can support and love an alternative spring football league. And so uh, while St. Louis is the other, I love the idea that this Seattle crowd shows up. They, they maybe help us understand the difference between a sea dragon and a land dragon. And I don't, and I'm, I'm still looking at this battle Hawks team as a team that I'd like to fade. I watched, I watched that entire game. And for, for a lot of that game, they were looking like a team that didn't quite have a plan. Meanwhile, uh, like I told you a week ago, I love June Jones in this offense. I think Josh Gordon is clearly an NFL receiver and Ben DiNucci is the perfect kind of spring football quarterback willing to just freestyle, make something happen. And you see it In, in this league. A little bit of above-average quarterback back play can go a long way, so I, I'm absolutely interested in buying. Uh, no, nothing has deterred me from from my Seattle D sea Dragons. Uh, I love buying the futures at an even even better price than they were preseason at plus six fifty, and I certainly love them minus the three. I guess we're probably laying a little bit more than home field at minus three based on what we've seen so far and some of the, the extra scoring additives. But yeah. I think Seattle minus three. Maybe I should take my own medicine and just say Seattle money line minus 175. I think June Jones and the offense only uh, continue to expand, and St. Louis will not have enough offense to keep up.
7: A team that stood out to me as well, and I recognize that they were on the wrong end of that calamity that happened at the end of the game. But the San Antonio Brahmas, because I had no idea how Heinz Ward was going to be coaching up a team, because I'm just here like. How in the world did Heinz Ward get into coaching? And how in the world is he a head coach? But, I mean, the Bramas did not look too bad. And now they are going to be a road favorite against the Orlando Guardians. And I think that it's time for Operation Fade, Paxton Lynch, to just make a comeback. The money has been coming in, by the way, on the Brahmas. They are still at minus three. This actually did reach minus three and a half for a little bit, but you have to pay a little bit of juice on it. And I just take a look at the Guardians and... What I saw in week number one is that this team is the worst team in this entire XFL because you mentioned it with the quarterback play—it's above average in terms of what we've seen from other of these football leagues, aside from that of the Orlando Guardians.
6: I mean, I think the Guardians were the one team where it's like you know you mentioned it, Hines Ward. Oh, I don't what what's he gonna be? Uh, he honestly, he looked like a coach. Uh, you know, analytics aside, he looked like a coach and he had a plan. Like they, they had a plan of how they wanted to attack and what they were going to be. And it was going to be a defensive first team in again, another crowd that can support one of these alt teams. Uh, he, they were going to play defense and run the ball. And he knew that meanwhile, Terrell Buckley. I think another coach we questioned also a roster we and we joked, right? I think, uh, I think Mark pointed it out, uh, that they were all from Florida and they were proud about that. And you know, maybe that's not the best way to build a roster. So, you know, that, that this is specifically a matchup where I, I love continuing to pile on. I, I know one of the angles we like to take is like buy low on these teams in the futures market, the guard, but there also are the L the, the teams that just show up and you realize this team has no chance. And right now that's the guardian. So I, I think, you know, the fact that we're getting the same price here as we are for the sea dragons feels like an absolute steal. Maybe this is a, two-team money line parlay, so we avoid some weirdness with the spread.
7: Absolutely, and this Guardians is not the same as the MLB Guardians, of which we were able to make you quite a bit of money last year, and we got about a minute left. Any of the other two XFL games stand out to you in terms of one that you're going to be making a play on?
6: I mean, I, like like I mentioned, I certainly, as much as I love Luis Perez and the Vegas Vipers, and, you know, it'd be be fun to check out a game if I was out in Vegas. Unfortunately, yes. I'm not this weekend, but I love the value of getting Reggie Barlow and this well-coached D.C. defenders team. I'm, I think they the, the win over Seattle, I think we're going to be looking at those two teams as two of the best in the whole league. So D.C. as a dog here, plus 150. Again, we're playing money lines, not grabbing points. So that, that would be the one that stands out to me.
7: I do think that that is a very good look, and I do think that it is going to be Really interesting to take a look at how to gauge spreads moving forward in terms of the XFL as well. Because when you've got the option to go for one, two, or three, certainly does cause for some wonkiness. And speaking of wonkiness, college basketball has been providing that all year long. And Ryan Kramer does a great job over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network as well of taking a look at action on the hardwood. We're going to be chatting about that next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network.
6: St. Hoops
7: Peterson himself on v the sports betting network. Sports fans, the NFL season has wrapped up. XFL still going on, but Beverbs online sportsbook is your place to be for basketball and hockey. BetRivers has you cover for every blind, odd, and boost. Join us every week for new promotions like the Tuesday Hockey First School Insurance, Saturday Hockey Same Game Parlay, Bet and Get Weekly Pro Basketball, Bet and Get and so much more. Check out BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app today, as it is a whole new game. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa, the Sports Bank Network, and always great to be joined by Ryan Kramer, who does amazing work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And Ryan, we've got to dive into some college basketball. You, like me, absolutely love football, but we both love college basketball. And I'm going to throw this one at you first. You're a man that you grew up in the northeast part of the country. You're talking to me a little bit off air about your fandom with George Sean back in the day, and, well, it has not been so savory for George Sean in recent years, but here they are now finding themselves in a relatively tight spread. They're at home against St. John's. St. John's is between a 2 to 2.5 point favorite, and your total between 155 and 156. A half. What do you make out of this game? Because George John's honestly been able to cover some numbers here. They've covered six out of their last eight games, and St. John's, they got it done on the women's side of things, so... A little bit of a shout out there, but it's St. John's team under Mike Anderson. They've looked better than Georgetown in recent years, but I mean, they're almost as dysfunctional as Georgetown right now. It has not been great, to say the least, for the Red Storm.
6: Ah, uh, I mean, uh, you know, you mentioned it. Uh, your childhood uh, team is being destroyed by your childhood hero. I was also a Knicks fan, funny enough, growing up in New Jersey, and he couldn't possibly root for Rutgers basketball. So Georgetown was my theme. And just to see Patrick Ewing uh, flounder around out there as a coach has been very disappointing. But like you mentioned, we're not talking about uh, just winning games. It's all about covering spread. Now, in this case, they would need to probably win the game. It's a a tight one. And you know what's been pretty good to me lately? Although, uh, shout out to Xavier for blowing this and making me look foolish. But Big East, uh, you know, it's a conference of great, great home environments. And I, I do think that this game matters to Georgetown. You were mentioning it off air. I think you like the Georgetown side as well. Coming I like the you, money
7: line of Georgetown.
6: A huge straight-up win. I mean, early bet splits are indicating uh, that's probably the sharp side, too. We could wake up. Could we wake up to with Georgetown favored by a point here? Uh, you know what? For childhood's sake and to, and to agree with your gutsy call, I'll I'll ride with you on Georgetown, although, I mean, you, you pull up their page on Ken Palm, there is a lot of red going on.
7: Yeah, there (laughs) certainly is, but Georgetown has allowed less than 70 points and now four out of their last seven games. And, I mean, the Andre Carbello experiment for St. John's, I still remember there were Illinois fans trying to tell me that Andre Corbello was good last year. I mean, I don't know where that came from. And, boy, it has not went well for them to say the least. Posh Alexander is out with injuries. He's regressed this year. Joel Soriano is pretty much all they've got for St. John's, and this is supposed to be an up tempo team that is relying upon Joel Soriano, a guy that takes as many threes as Greg Peterson. So, not so terrific <laughs> there. And I want to talk about not so terrific. How about the Notre Dame defense as their play goes to North Carolina? North Carolina, a between a six to a six and a half point favorite. Both of these teams have cover rates are at thirty five percent or less. So. Someone has to start making you some money unless this line's right on the six, and that's where it closes. But what do you make out of this game? Because Notre Dame, they play at a snail's pace. They play no defense, but they shoot relatively solid from three. North Carolina doesn't play a whole lot of defense. They're pretty solid down low, but they can't make threes to save their lives.
6: Well, to me, I'm going to go off the court to the situational handicap of is Coach Bray being forced out? Is he going to be coming next year? seems like trending in that direction and so for me this is purely a in a, in a situation where if this was the first round of the, the ncaa tournament we would be calling this a matchup between two bet against teams there is absolutely no way on this physical universe that i will be laying six and a half points with this unc team in their current form to me this is a order uh, bet on notre dame it's gross i'm gonna grab the money line actually because I do think that this team is going to, they seem to be playing for Coach Bray. Maybe they'll finish out the season playing hard for Coach Bray. And what a great feather in his cap as he walked out the door Then uh, one last win against North Carolina. Uh, they're kind of conference foe over the last couple of years.
7: Yeah, but it is a very, very interesting game to say the least in terms of that one. And man, it has not been so savory to be taking a look at Either of these teams against the spread, as both have been very much struggling, and a team has also been struggling has been UConn. They're going to be playing us at Providence, and Providence, most places, is a 7.5-point underdog. I'm seeing a few 7s, like where I sit here at Circa is currently presenting a 7. What do you make out of this game? Because with Providence, I love backing them at, it's the dunk. We're not going to call it a Mika Pavilion. It's the dunk. But... With that said, you've got a UConn team that I mean they bear down on defense. They've got all the tools of being a team that can make a deep run. But sometimes they just play really bad. And I think that that's just due to coaching in general, which is why we've seen so much variance with this UConn team. What do you make out of this one?
6: Yeah, I mean, I, if I close my eyes and I imagine a, a, a battle between an Ed Cooley coach team and a Hurley coach team, I'm, I'm on the Cooley face, the back team all the time. And like you said, love, love, love this Providence team at home, but they aren't quite the same team on the road. You you look at some of these spots that they've dropped on the road recently, and yes, they have covered some of those numbers. So I, to me, this is a a style makes the fight kind of game. And I think you know when you look at the way that UConn can bear down on defense and they, and they can impose that size advantage that they will have in this Providence game, I, I think this is going to be one of those games where we. We scratch our head and we say, was this just variance from last year in that Providence team that was magical? Or, or is this just, just Ed Cooley again on the road and his team just kind of leaving a little bit to be desired? So, yeah, unfortunately, as a guy who, uh, not a big UConn guy, I, I, I would say the number also indicates to me that we should be backing UConn as the I think the average person looking at this game is like, wow, Providence with all those points? I'll take that. So give me UConn. I, I expect it to be the uh, the least po- less popular side here. And I think, uh, unfortunately, Hurley, another win in the, in the in the win column.
7: With UConn, taking a look at what I've got right now here at Circa the 7, it's a max I'm willing to lay with them. I do think that this could be another one of those games where you find a team down like six, seven points, and then they're hacking away like lumberjacks at the end of the game. I think that this has pretty much the feel of that, and this has a feel of a very interesting game as well. A Florida team as without Colin Castleton, who's really the heart and soul of this team, going up against a Kentucky team that they got the win against Tennessee. I'm still skeptical of them, but right now, <laughs> Kentucky is a three-point favorite. Total setting between 139 and and 140.5. What I really like here is a total under. It's just a Kentucky team that hasn't been able to find any semblance of offense. I do have to think that Florida is going to need to throttle down a little bit more just because they're looking to just be able to piecemeal things together without Colton Castleton. Where do you stand on this game? Just because I think that it is so interesting because you've got a Florida team that loses a heart and soul piece and a Kentucky team that, well, they're about as dysfunctional as dysfunctional gets.
6: Uh, is the, the number is, is puzzling, right? A little bit. How, how can you even, how can you walk to the window without Castleton on this team and, and confidently bet Florida? Against the Kentucky team that like you said, I'm still not bought in. I you know, we jokingly on the Sports family Podcast, we've been tracking Coach Cal's next job and maybe he'll stick around <laughs> in Kentucky. But it you know, coming off a big win, you do worry about a letdown spot on the road here. But you also I mean, if Coach Cal is ever gonna show up and be a good coach, it's like hey, we gotta beat the team that doesn't have the best player. So I can't look to Florida. I know I know some sharp people that are on Florida here catching these points because probably of the same inconsistencies that you highlight with Kentucky. But I'm going to lay the points. I think Kentucky uh, maybe maybe get the little uh, too little too late hot here at the end. And uh, again, Florida, Kentucky—they just played. It was a five-point game. Kentucky won. I think we have a similar result here uh, in the in the swamp there in Gainesville.
7: Oh, it's such an interesting game to say the least, and. For Kentucky, apparently, I think burnt orange might look very nice on John Calipari, but that is something oh, yeah. that we will be seeing in the offseason, and I see behind you a Virginia Tech football. How about if we take a look at the other team for Virginia? Virginia versus Boston College This is a line of eight with Virginia. What do you make out of this game? Just because with Virginia, they've had some close but no cigar games in which they very nearly lost against Notre Dame against Louisville I feel like this could be the game where Virginia comes out angry and wins this game by double figures
6: Uh, could be Uh, we we know Boston College is not the best team but they have one of the better ACC situations when it comes to that weird road trip they are the West Virginia of the Big 12 or they are the the uh, the Arkansas of the SEC I, I do think that that Create some some weirdness here. That being said, uh this Virginia team, Tony Bennett, I I fully expect them to, like you said, the the variant here wants me to give me mean, lay, lay me the point because uh, if this goes bad for Boston College, it's going to go bad in a real way. So I'll I'll as much as I hate them, rival. What is a Wahoo anyway? Let's lay the
7: point <laughs> here. Absolutely, and something that always goes really well getting you on the podcast, Ryan. Ryan, you do great work over at the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Always do appreciate it. Thank you.
6: Thanks, Hoops. Best
7: of luck. Always great to get Ryan Kramer aboard. Talking a little XFL, talking a little college basketball. We're going to keep the ACC college basketball chatter going next here on the flip side of the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network.
0: Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season.
6: You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network.
7: If you are looking for a betting edge on the NHL, NBA, or college basketball, the VSN experts have got you covered. Become a VSEN Pro subscriber with an introductory offer of just nine dollars and ninety-nine cents. VSEN Pro subscribers get access to our daily recap of the top plays made by V-CEN. show shows and guests, tools like our betting splits, deep dive betting reports, vSIN betting guides. For the biggest games of the season where experts break down brackets, bets, bets, and daily props. Do not miss out on this limited time offer. Visit Visa.com slash subscribe today and sign up for just $9.99. That is at VSIN.com slash subscribe. We are back here on the Greg Peterson Experience on Visa. The Sports betting network was great to get Ryan Kramer of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network aboard as took a look at a little XFL, took a look at some college basketball. And top of that, if you go to visa.com slash picks, if you miss anything from Ryan, you miss anything from myself, any of the guests from tonight, you'll see all that we're picking over there. So got you guys covered on that front and We got you guys covered with a whole lot of college basketball. North of 60 games are going to be on the board for this Wednesday. And we were talking a little SEC towards the end of that segment with Ryan Kramer. Let's take a look at a little bit more ACC basketball, as I do find this one to be intriguing because if you take a look at this team's NCAA tournament stock, it sort of went like this. If you're watching on Visa.com, I'm making a big downward arrow. It is not good for them. And I'm, of course, talking about Clemson, who is going to be playing us to Syracuse, 677, 678 on the betting board. It is Clemson who is a three and a half to a four point favorite opened up as a three point favorite money has been coming in on them total is anywhere between 143 and 143 and a half and certainly did like the three with Clemson i think that this is a good buy low spot on them max ib1 la is three and a half so we're seeing pretty much a mixture of three and a half and four in the market still willing to go up to a three and a half in this spot but Syracuse team that should be able to do a solid job down low as you do have Jesse Edwards be they will give them 13 points, 10 boards, a little bit north of two blocks per game. And then they're a nice backcourt duo in Judah Mintz, coupled with Joe Girard. Both of these guys have been able to give you, in that neighborhood, about 30 points per game between the two of them. Girard shoots 39% from three. Big problem that you have is Judah Mintz. is shooting right around 24% from three-point range. Less than terrific on that front And As Jim Beheim always likes to do, he robs anyone that isn't in the starting five of any playing time whatsoever. But apparently it's let's call it what it is, other teams that are buying up players like Pittsburgh, selling out money, apparently, according to our good friend Jim Beheim. But that said, we are not taking a look at Jim Beheim as a person. We are taking a look at him and as a college basketball coach, and his college basketball coaching has been about as lukewarm as his takes have been, which is not good. Meanwhile you've got a Clemson team, which they've been. Not good recently, but they still do have P.J. Hall along with Thunder Tyson. Both of these guys have been able to do a nice job combining for about 35 points per contest. Both of these guys have size. Tyson is able to shoot nearly 40% from three-par range. P.J. Hall has been shooting in that neighborhood about 40% from three-par range as well. And what Clemson does need, in my opinion, is a little bit of home cooking. They have been getting cooked with regards to their defense on the road. As a matter of fact, they're giving up 9.1 points more per one-arm possessions when they're in a road slash shoot record environment rather than at home, and the big specialty for Clemson is always three-point shooting. With this Syracuse defense, guess what is always the Achilles' heel of it? You guessed it, three-point shooting, and I do think that this is going to be a relatively rough matchup for the Syracuse team, who's actually a little bit improved with regards to opponent's three-point shooting percentage. They're 160th this year. Typically, it's actually a little bit worse than this, so I'll give a little bit of credit where credit is to. Clemson certainly has been getting barbecued with regards to their three-point shooting defense as well. They're right around 135th in all of college basketball. It certainly has went northward recently, but you don't have a pair of teams that necessarily play super-duper up-tempo, but neither of these teams are playing super slow either. It's a Syracuse team that is clocking in right around 160th in the country in terms of total possessions per game. Clemson more around 175th, so these are two very mid-tempo teams. I do think that this is a game that's got the... Distinct possibility of being one that you're going to be having some late game falling in if Syracuse is down six points with a minute left to go. You get the march of the free throw line going. So I did set my total at a 144 with Syracuse. They are outside the top 135 in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. Yet they've allowed 73 points or fewer in pretty much all but four of their games this year. It feels like seemingly every opponent that they play are scoring between like 70 and 73 points. Really not much more, really not much less, which that honestly is it will help you out a little bit with your handicapping, but I do think that Clemson is going to be able to get closer to like 75, 76 points in this game. So I do like this total just barely over, as I did my total at a 144, but with Clemson willing to lay up to 3.5 with them, I do think that this is going to be a semi-close game. Clemson has been sliding a little bit, but they get back Brevin Galloway in the backcourt. They've had... Someone in Chase Hunter do a solid job being able to give the team 15 plus points in three out of his last four games as well. So one to side with Clemson, one to lay three and a half or less with them. How about if we go a little bit more to the mid-major ranks to so a total that I think is a little bit too high. 675, 676 on the betting board. It is UNC Greensboro and they're going to be playing us to Western Carolina. Western Carolina is anywhere between an 11 to an 11 half point underdog. Your total is between 137 a half and 139 and it is a total that... I did make significantly lower. I set mine at a 134. I'm going to be one to dive under. This UNC Greensboro team has been able to do a tremendous job with their defense. And really, you've got a lot of good SOCON teams. Like, if Furman makes the NCAA tournament, they're going to be a spicy team. If UNC Greensboro makes the NCAA tournament, look out below, because this team does a very good job with their defense. They are a top 50 team in the country in terms of points allowed on a per possession basis. Very strange with UNC Greensboro. They're actually allowing fewer points on a per-possession basis when they're in a road-slash-shooter court environment rather than when they are at home. They're 51st in the country turns terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis at home. And they're going up against a Western Carolina team that has been able to do a better job of being able to take care of the ball. They're a relatively mid-tempo team, right around 130th in the country in terms of possessions per game. They bring in a guy Trey Jackson who was playing at Iowa State to begin his career. He's been able to shoot nearly 40% for three-part range, double-figure score. Been able to have Tyshawn Clott, Give you 13.5 points, 8.5 rebounds per game. But I think that Muhammad Abdul Salam is going to be able to take him to task I know for UNC Greensboro, Greensboro team that out of their top four scores, three of them do give you north of four rebounds per game. It's a Greensboro team that has done a very good job of being able to lessen the turnovers as well. That was something that was really ailing them last season. In terms of turnovers on a per possession basis, they were one of the worst teams at all of college basketball, down to about 12 turnovers per game this season. So they've done a nice job. Of be able to reverse course. And this UNC Greensboro team just does such a good job of having less than heralded guys really do a nice job of being able to run the offense. You've got a pair of guys in Dante Tracy along Kobe Langley. But Kobe is actually the brother of their leading scorer, Keyshawn Langley. Both of these guys give you between 3.7 and 3.8 assists per game. Neither of these guys give an ortho of 7.5 points per game, but Langley is able to give you two steals per game. This team does a good job of just really ball hawking, and then you've got a Western Carolina team that they really don't force a lot of steals. I do think that this is a little bit of a tough matchup for them. Votrevious Woolbright for Western Carolina is one of the more under eight after suffers that you're going to find in all of college basketball. He's able to contribute a double-figure amount of points, seven rebounds, three and a half assists, steal and a half per game. You need him to sell hot dogs with the hot dogs saying during halftime. He's going to be willing to do that, but Western Carolina... Very much a top-heavy team. Meanwhile, you've got a UNC Greensboro team that is able to go very deep in their rotations. They do an amazing job of be able to guard by committee. We've seen UNC Greensboro get north of 70 points in far in the last five games. I do think that things are going to be throttled down a little bit more in this game, so I did set my total at a 134. I'm going to be willing to go under, but I do think the Greensboro going to be able to cover this summer. set them as a 12-point favorite. So I'm going to be willing to lay the number, and I'm going to be taking a look at the under. How about if we also... Give a little bit of love to our nation's first president. 687, 688 on the betting board. The disrespect for George Washington continues as he goes on the road to face off against Rhode Island. Rhode Island is a three-point favorite, and your total on this game is anywhere between 143 and 144. After a tough battle at Trenton, George Washington has reinforcements coming in as James Bishop III has been a top-20 scorer in all of college basketball for this GW team. He's been able to supply about 20.5 points per game, and it's a Rhode Island team that they're just all sorts of dysfunctional right now. Now, they didn't have to battle at Yorktown, unlike our good friend George Washington, but with this Rhode Island team, they are now without their number-two scorer in Brian Freeman, Freeman, someone who was given the team right around... I would say about 14 and a half points, three assists per game. He's just completely off the team, which means you've got Ishmael again, who's able to give you 16 points. It's about 32% for three and... That's about all you've got. It is a Rhode Island team that's is in the top 125 in terms of points a lot on a per possession basis, but as a collective, they're shooting about 39% for three with Rayon Freeman really being their top three-point shooter. They just have had a big, giant, nothing burger without him. You take a look at Rhode Island's last two games, they have not been able to get past a 55-point plat- plateau in any of them, and it's a team that has scored 67 points or fewer in far of their last five. I'm willing to take George Washington outright on the money line and that does lead into our Visa Pro Tip for our number two. Visa.com slash subscribe. You to sort these by show and by sport. Take a look at teams that have players that might have been injured towards the beginning part of the season. And now they're coming back. Because typically the lines do not necessarily appropriately price them in. I'm looking at Fardas Amick of Texas Tech. I'm looking at Nick Smith of Arkansas. And they're able to give you a nice boost. And we're going to look to boost your bankroll a little bit more college basketball coverage on the flip side right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on v the Sports Bank Network.
4: Bet River Sportsbook app has a huge number of live streaming events every day. Bet River Sportsbook has great offers, including a $250 match bonus on your first deposit, and all bonuses are only one-time playthrough. Amazing offers and great customer service makes Bet Rivers your hometown sports.
0: It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey Jeff.